The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Play fake. Bethu throws on the move. And it's caught. Big yardage coming up. And this is Cobalt. Gets the fumble as Krieger Koble fumbles it inside the five. Happened so fast I didn't see it. Krieger Koble with a great run and Vandenberg right place at the right time. And Iowa ties this game up at 17. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our weekly Reporter's Notebook podcast, this week featuring Steve Batterson who looks back at the Hawks' road win over Iowa State and he previews the home game versus the Pittsburgh Panthers under the lights in Kinnick Stadium. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Pitt's Pat Narduzzi. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs which includes sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson. Patterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chumeland. The Iowa-Iowa State game highlights are courtesy of Fox Sports with announcers Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about the strategy behind scheduling Pitt as a non-conference opponent. You know, it's in an area, a region that we recruit, not that we've uh, really done much in Pennsylvania. We certainly haven't had a lot of success in Pittsburgh area, and, and it's been a while since we've uh, gotten gotten players from uh, Erie. But to me, it makes some sense. At least it's in the uh, Big Ten region, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I've got a little bit of a history at the program being there as a grad assistant in 1980, but that's certainly not the reason we schedule it just it just seems to make sense you know I think it made a lot of sense when it got uh, the series originated and uh, the way it's panned out against kind of been interesting uh, if you look at it, especially the last two games or the last year's game and this year's game there was a real Wisconsin flavor to the ball club a year ago and now you throw the film on and there's a real Michigan State flavor to it so uh, I wish I could say I was smart enough to anticipate that when we we got involved in scheduling but you know I think it's just one of those logical matchups. Ferentz was asked about how the coaches go about scouting Pitt with a new head coach and staff. Well the first First thing we've done, obviously, is look at uh, the last two ball games. They've played two two ball games with this current coaching staff, and when you watch those two games, you see an awful lot of the Michigan State influence. Uh, we looked at last year's film just to get a feel for the players and how they matched up against our guys a little bit, and uh, then we've gone back and looked at our games against Michigan State. So there's a lot of cross cross. And in some ways, it's like a first game almost. Uh, but again, the influence, and it only makes sense. Uh, coach Narduzzi's uh, not a good defensive coach; he's an outstanding defensive coach, and he's doing a great job as a head coach as well. But that you know his his influence there certainly has shown up on film and, and not just scheme you know it's more than scheme it's it's the effort the guys are playing with they're just uh what well, they're really flying to the football they're hard to block and if they get blocked they don't stay blocked so you know the statistics they're already starting to mount uh, it's not surprising you can see that influence and, and impact and there's still a lot of the carryover offensively there's still a very physical football team that runs the ball extremely well they look not exactly like they did last year but but similar and they're, they're going to come out and you know get after you. they're a big physical group up front four out of five 
five guys with starting experience. And you know, it looked like uh, you know maybe a chink in the armor was a running back that got hurt. They had a very good back get hurt, and this guy's averaging uh, you know whatever it is. He's got 300 yards in two games, so pretty impressive. Ferentz goes into more detail discussing the challenges his Iowa offense will face versus a very tough Pitt defense. It was a heck of a challenge last last year. I mean, that was a really uh, hard football game. You know, hotly contested both sides. We had to come from behind. There's nothing easy about that one, and we knew that going in. I, I anticipate the same thing here. And again, you know, the coaching staff's changed, but they've, they've got a lot of the same players back. Uh, both their ends are really good players on defense. They've got a lot of big guys inside. They rotate, keep them fresh, uh, and they, they come at you hard. I got a lot of respect for his scheme, but I have more respect, I think, when I think about what Michigan State defense has been and what they're doing at Pitt. It's, it's about the way they go about their business. They're just, they're tough. They contest you at every turn, and, you know, anything you're going to get, you're going to have to really earn it. You know, they're very, very aggressive with their approach, and they have, they have good good experience players, you know, three out of four back in the back end. Middle linebacker is a veteran player, a very good player, and uh, one of those new backers. I think he's an outstanding player. He hasn't wasn't a starter last year, so yeah, they got a lot of guys that can you know get after it, and it's it's going to be a real challenge for our, our offensive football team. Kirk talks about the play and development of starting quarterback C.J. Beathard, who's now three and zero for the Hawks. Yeah, you know, I've mentioned in the past that Thursday practice that's kind of you know burnt into my memory bank there a little bit, and somebody looked it up, and it was the week before Thursday. Or, uh, Pittsburgh, ironically, so he played a lot better Saturday than he did on Thursday. You know, one of those deals. But uh, yeah, I think that that's an illustration of where he's changed because you know you, you can't as you're a quarterback you can't go out and have a bad practice like he did that day. And you know maybe it wasn't that bad, but it was bad in my mind. You know, just uh, not not for what you want on a Thursday. But I, I think that's really the story. I think he really uh, has grasped what it is to be a starting quarterback at a at a major school, and you know I think he's really taken that responsibility to heart. And he's done that. You know, it started last fall, probably after that uh, that little period there. Since January, he's been fantastic and just uh, really proud of him. And, you know, we're, we're going to some ups and downs, but uh, he's doing a really good job. He's got a great work ethic and you know, he's just uh, doing a good job leading our team. And Kirk talks about playing a night game in Kinnick Stadium and how his team prepares for that versus preparation for a day game. I don't know if it's a status thing, but it's 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 exciting. And again, I think you know my preference. I sure like them better here than on the road for obvious reasons. But uh, you know, night games are really special just in general. And I think in Kinnick, you know, it's it's a, it's a great place to be. So we're excited about that. But yeah, you know, I think it's a great thing. It's just I think our fans are excited about it, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll play well Saturday. Basically, uh, what we do is we shift our Friday night routine over to Saturday. So this Friday, we'll be on a little different deal. We'll still practice in the morning, uh, meet with our guys later on during the day, and then we'll send them out to a movie. We always do that if we play a night game and then uh, try to get, keep them from playing the game that evening. And then we'll do our Friday night routine uh, during the day Saturday. So we usually have that done by, by noon or so. Next, we hear from Pittsburgh head coach Pat Narduzzi, who talks about bringing his Pittsburgh Panthers team into Iowa City for a night game. Well, obviously, you know, we got a big road game on the road in a in a uh, crazy atmosphere. I've had some experiences being out in, uh, at the University of Iowa you know, in that stadium. Uh, I don't believe I've ever played at night there, so I can imagine they'll probably have the stripes, you know, the black and gold stripes in the stands and all. It'll be a probably a, as good an atmosphere as you're going to spend on a college game day for our kids and and, uh, and for their so it'll be a great experience, I think, to go out there. It, uh, obviously, the, you know, we told our guys yesterday the preseason's over. So, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a big-time opponent. We're going to find out what we've got. You know, I hope our guys prepare even a little bit more every week as we go on. Every game gets a little bit bigger, and, and uh, you're 2-0 going out to Iowa City, and, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a big ball game. Narduzzi talks about the importance of ongoing communications with his quarterbacks as he tries to pick a true starter and his desire to separate a number one from a number two. 
too. I mean, we communicate with our guys every day. Every day, they're first of all sitting in these seats, and and uh, we talk to them every day. I mean, Coach Cheney's going to be in constant contact with them, and I think that's the first thing that you have is is those that relationship with your players that you talk to them. I mean, there's nothing worse in, in not knowing where you stand that day. I mean, there's got to be that communication as a staff and you know with our players, and and uh, it's a constant co- communication and it's constant competition at every position. I don't care if it's linebacker, quarterback, you know, left tackle. I mean, it's going to be there. We expect our guys to come to practice every day. Uh, we expect them to, to, to practice and practice well if they want to play. Um, sometimes, you, you know, sometimes, you know, I've, I've done it where you played a guy and you, and you look back and said, God, I wish we would, you know, wish he had practiced more. Maybe we shouldn't have started him. And, and sometimes you get us and sometimes you don't. But we expect our guys to practice and, 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 uh, and go. And if they don't practice a whole bunch, I'm not sure how comfortable we feel putting you on the field on Saturday being the guy. Uh, you can come in relief, but uh, to be the guy is a different story. You know, I've had it in the past where it's gone five games as, as a safety. You know, we let the kids aside and let them, let them do it on the field because I think there's nothing – there's nothing worse as a football player to say, Sam, you're starting, and then three weeks later, Sam, you're not starting. You know, just we'll find out. I mean, I think they're both very capable, like I said, and, and uh, eventually you'd like to do that. But I've gone five games with a safety rotating every series for five games and then finally said, okay, he's the guy. And you just kind of figure it out and, and you let it play out. And I think it's good for the team when it comes that way. It wasn't the coach making the decision because it's not easy. When things are equal, and I think, I think they're pretty equal back there. I think they both do great things. And when it's equal, we'll find out in the heat of the battle. And Narduzzi was asked whether he's looking forward to playing a team from another Power 5 conference to see how his squad matches up. Like I told the kids last night, they don't care what you did last week, even if we had to beat you know, USC last last weekend. They don't care what you did last week or the week before. You guys only care about next Saturday. That's all we care about in here. That's all I really care about. I don't care how many sacks you had. I want to know how many sacks you're going to have this week or how many touchdown passes. So, you know, you get more and more curious every week of how we're going to react on the road in a big-time atmosphere on national TV. It'll certainly be interesting. And, you know, Again, you can get beat any Saturday, so you better come ready. And, you know, Arkansas thinks saw that this week with Toledo, and Maryland saw it this week with Bowling Green. And, and we could have saw it, but we came ready to play, and our guys, you know, played a darn good ball game. So it can, we can say that, oh, yeah, it's okay, it's easy. It ain't easy. Every game's a battle. First down at the Iowa State 25 for the Hawkeyes. Better throw to the end zone. Touchdown, Iowa, Raleigh McCarron, C.J. his body turned running towards his target and delivers just a dime to Riley McCarron. What a beautiful play. C.J. Beathard named the 2015 starter last January. The Iowa Hawkeyes host the Pittsburgh Panthers this Saturday in Iowa City. The Hawkeyes come into this game 2-0, as does Pitt. Pitt now plays in the Atlantic Coast Conference, previously was in the Big East. Iowa is 6-4 all-time in night games at Kinnick Stadium. An Iowa win would make it 3-0 for the first time since 2009. Iowa's advanced to a bowl game every year it started the season with three straight wins. Saturday's game will be the seventh meeting between Iowa and Pittsburgh. The series is tied 3-3. Iowa's won the last two meetings coming from behind in both of those contests. This will be the fourth time Iowa and Pitt will meet since 2008 with four different Pitt coaching staffs. Radio this week is the Hawkeye Sports Network as always with Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak TV. It'll be the Big Ten Network with Joe Beninati and Iowa's own Chuck Long. Iowa's defeated Iowa State on the road 31-17 and Illinois State at home 31-14 outscoring opponents a combined 62-31 
one. Pitt defeated Akron 24-7 on the road last week and opened against Youngstown State at home with a 45-37 win. Pitt is also seeking a 3-0 season start. That would be for the second consecutive year. Pitt's first-year head coach is Pat Narduzzi, following a very successful eight-year stint as defensive coordinator at Michigan State. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Now it's time for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Iowa State game, and he previews the night game against Pitt. Iowa's coming off a nice win in Ames at Iowa State. It's the road team winning in that series the last four games. Steve, your closing thoughts about the Iowa State game before we turn to this weekend's contest. A good victory. Uh, you know, I think uh, any way you slice it when you can uh, you can come away with a win in a trophy game, that's a, that's a big thing. And it's an awful barren trophy case in Iowa City, or was certainly before last week. And, uh, you know, I like the way Iowa won the game. I, I like the way that uh, the defense kind of rose to the occasion in the second half and pitched a shutout. I thought offensively it was a you know, fairly solid game for Iowa. You know, you rack up 475 yards of offense and, and uh, you know, find your way to the end zone when it matters most down the stretch. And, uh, you know, I thought C.J. Beathard had a, had a wonderful game for a second time out this season. Uh, he really uh, performed well and, and showed a lot of leadership, both with his, both with just the way he handled the situation and, and, uh, and, and, and with the way he competed, both with his arm and his feet. Uh, obviously, he's a, you know, a very gifted quarterback in, in terms of both of those, uh, those skill sets, and, and uh, he put them both to, to good use against the Iowa converted seven of 14 third downs, but importantly, five of seven in the second half when it really took control of that game, both offensively and defensively, and two of three in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was a you know a, a real sign of uh, of some poise and growth under under you know some a little duress. I mean, it, it, let's face it, Iowa's first half didn't exactly uh, light the world on fire, and and, and C.J. Beathard it took him a little while to kind of get going in the passing game, but uh, you know once Iowa got it moving a little bit, and and, and once Iowa it was able to kind of force uh, Iowa State to respect Beathard's uh, rushing ability a little bit too, it, it did turn things on, on that side of the ball and. And it was a, it was a it was a good all around effort. To, you know, 200 yards rushing again for the second straight week. Another sign of progress there. Fact that uh, Bethard continues to to be uh, fairly mistake free in terms of throwing interceptions. He hasn't had one yet through two games. The line has done a fairly good job of, of protecting him. Uh, you know, again, we didn't see a lot of balls. Uh, you know, headed in the direction of the tight ends. But I think the trade off there is that they're they're assisting a little bit now to kind of help establish the run and and. and that's given Iowa a chance for some good growth. Turning now to the game this Saturday, under the lights, Iowa versus the Pittsburgh Panthers from the ACC. An Iowa win would make it 3-0 and for the first time since 2009. Pitt's also going for a 3-0 and start this season. Fifth annual ANF game, black and gold spirit game. I'm sure things will be hopping in Kinnick Stadium probably long before the kickoff. 
Pitts defeated Akron 24-7 on the road, won at uh, home against Youngstown State in its home opener. Its first-year head coach, Pat Narduzzi. The last two games in this series have been Doozies, 2011 in Kinnick. Iowa had its biggest comeback in school history to defeat Pitt, and they came from behind in the fourth quarter last year. Yeah, I, I think they're looking at a, at a matchup again between two fairly even teams. I, I think this has the potential to be a, you know, a very similar game to what we saw a year ago in, in Pittsburgh where, uh, uh, you know, it took uh, a relief effort from, from CJ off the bench when uh, when uh, uh, Jake Rudock was injured to to kind of save the day then and, and uh, it may be another you know, knockdown drag out. They're expecting you know, a very physical, very challenging battle with a, a very, a team that is very similar to a lot of Big Ten teams. I mean they, Paul Christ was the coach a, a year ago. You know, he brought some of that Wisconsin toughness to, to Pitt's offensive uh, approach, and and now in Pat Narduzzi, you've got a guy who spent eight years on the staff at Michigan State, turning out some really good defenses. And player after player earlier this week talked about the fact that you know as they watch the the, the cuts of, of of the Pitt defense at work, what they're seeing is a is an awful lot of, of Michigan State. So there's a, there's a reference point for some of the older guys on this Iowa roster, and and that's beneficial as you prepare for a non-conference game. Let's go get down in the weeds a little bit. Iowa's defense versus Pitt's offense. Iowa's defense was terrific in the second half at Iowa State, only allowed four first downs. They had four sacks, six tackles for loss. They rank very high nationally now in several defensive categories. They're second in the Big Ten. They have nine sacks through the first two games. Six different Hawkeyes have at least one sack. They've allowed only a total of 98 rushing yards and no rushing touchdowns in the first two games. And as importantly, they're, they're allowing a little under two yards per carry on the ground, and and that's a, that's a terrific number, especially given the fact that Iowa has been in a position to face a couple of teams with with quarterbacks who are running threats, and they've done a really nice job of containing some of those guys, and and that's been a, it's been a it's been an awfully solid start for this group. It's been a good collective start. I think we've seen a little bit of growth out of the linebacker positions. Ben Neiman adding some quickness on on uh, from the outside spot, I think has been beneficial. Obviously, a, a fairly significant uh, situation with Drew Lott leaving last week's game. Uh, you know, his status uh, for this week is still a little bit up in the air. I think if there's any way possible he can be on that field Saturday night, he certainly will be. He, he's shown his toughness, prior, you know, previously. Uh, uh, you know, getting bounced off of his uh, scooter last year by a, by a truck and, and showing up a few days later to take the field against Iowa State. Uh, Drew Lott's one tough customer. If he can play on Saturday, I'm sure he'll be out there. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise Saturday was how well they played after Ott went out with that injury. Yeah, I, th- I think that forced the other guys on the line to really kind of regroup. And, you know, Drew wasn't there to, to kind of lead the way, as, as he had done during the, that first game in a quarter. And, and it, it uh, you know, it's a reflection on, on how the rest of that bunch stepped up. And, you know, we saw Nate Meyer become very active after that point in the game. And, you know, across the front, Jaleel uh, Johnson, uh, you know, did, did a nice job. From from his tackle spots and and we saw Parker Hesse step in and, and and have a have a nice game as well to, to go along with uh, the budget at the other tackle. It, it was a real good collective type effort and and uh, you know it's a kind of thing that that should help this defense grow, especially when I gets back. I think it, it was a beneficial situation in some ways. You hate to say that about a situation when a kid goes down with an injury, but uh, it, it did put a little pressure on those other guys to perform, and they responded pretty well. One of the 
the key points of emphasis, one of several this season for the Hawkeyes on defense, has been much better defense out on the perimeter containing the edge. They've been very successful at that through the first two games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, a, that's been a collective kind of thing as well. Uh, you know, this is a, a, you know, a rush defense that has not allowed a, a gain of 20 yards yet this season. They, they've given up a, a couple of pass plays but uh, that distance. But, uh, uh, yeah, their, their ability to, to kind of pinch things off on the, on the edge has, has really helped make make this defense a, a much more stout uh, group than what we saw initially a year ago. Now, Pittsburgh's offense is trying to overcome the loss of All-American running back James Conner, who was a season-ending injury in its opening game. They do have, apparently they're going to have three running backs available this weekend. The redshirt freshman Cadre Allison and uh, true freshman Darren Hill stepped in in those first two games. Chris James, who was the number two running back for Pitt going into the season, apparently will be back for injury but Allison and Hall combined for 133 yards, two touchdowns, 33 carries versus Akron and Allison rushed for over 200 yards in the second half alone versus Youngstown State. Allison is a kid that Iowa actually was involved recruiting wise with early on, made an offer to him. Uh, uh, you know he's he's not that much different size wise from Connor. He's 6'2", 230 kind of a, kind of a bull back there and, and they, they will use that. I mean they've got Good size across the front with 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 four guys over 300 uh, lining up. Uh, it's it's a, a fairly experienced pit offense. They have given up some sacks this year. That's been one of the issues that they've had, and it certainly is something that I was been pretty proficient at. So it's something to kind of keep an eye on on Saturday. But uh, I think they've allowed seven through two games. But uh, you know they've got some experience. Uh, it's a it's a it's a group that, uh, with the exception of of Alice who, who has stepped in and, and kind of picked up that role that, that Connor left behind. And you know, he's been given an opportunity. I, I, he was held under 90 yards last week. And, and I know Pat Narduzzi earlier this week talked a little bit about the difference between uh, being a relief guy and, and being the guy that becomes all of a sudden the focus of opposing defenses. And, you know, there's a period of adjustment going on there for him. And, and uh, But but he's, he's a terrific young back and, and uh, he, will, he has the potential to give Iowa some problems. Undoubtedly, the biggest uncertainty on Pitt's offense is who the starting quarterback's going to be. They're rotated last week between juniors Chad Vodick and Nate Peterman, who's a transfer from Tennessee. Narduzzi has yet to name his starting quarterback. He's supposed to do it late in the week, but anticipates he'll rotate like that again against Iowa, even if he does name a starter. Yeah, he, he's been pretty consistent with that, and, and they did the same thing in, in, in their opener against Youngstown State as well. They'll, they'll start out by rotating the two of them early and then probably go with whoever has the hot hand later on. And uh, In the opener, it was the veteran, the guy that's, that has started 15 games for, for them in, in, in Botech. And last week against Akron, it proved to be Peterman. And uh, that game was played on kind of a rainy turf, and, but he responded by hitting 12 to 17 passes in the second half of that game and, and uh, certainly earned a, a vote of confidence from, from his coach. And uh, It's uh, a situation where they're taking a good hard look at both guys this week in practice and he'll, he'll go with whoever uh, he feels has the best week but but he also said that probably by the time the game gets around to that third or fourth series they're, they're going to have the other guy out there and let him get get involved as well so it, it's kind of an ongoing situation and then they'll they'll you know evaluate it at halftime and and probably whoever uh, if any of either of those two guys has had um, some success that's probably who you're going to see most of the second half.
have. Whichever quarterback's in there, their primary target's probably going to be their junior wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, who Kirk Ferentz talked about a bit in his Tuesday presser. Tyler is a terrific receiver, and I found that out a year ago when he when he caught 10 balls against the Hawkeyes for 153 yards. So uh, I was pretty familiar with what, what uh, you know, he can do. He's a junior, he's 6'2", he has a little bit of size, he's got a lot of quickness, and, and he's also, you know, he's a guy that uh, if he decides to come out after this season, uh, people are kind of touting as a first-round NFL draft pick, and and you can see why when you watch him play. Kirk talked a little bit about how he was probably the you know the, the best receiver that Iowa saw a year ago, and probably the best that they've had to deal with since that matchup with LSU after the 13 season in the Outback Bowl. And uh, this is a kid that's uh, you know he's got a history of creating problems for people, and and uh, he caught 11 passes last week against Akron, and, and probably helped turn that game around. And it didn't really seem to matter which guy was at quarterback. They they both knew who they needed to get the ball to. And, and I, yes, Tyler Boyd will be a big part of what Pitt does on Saturday night. And yet Iowa's defensive secondary looks like it's got a chance to be significantly better than in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it, and it should be. I mean, it's a veteran group for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I think we've, uh, in talking with Greg Maben uh, yesterday, one of the things that he talked about was what he learned a year ago. That was his, his third, uh, he'd started the first three games of the season, had a little bit of an injury, and, and came off the bench against Pitt last year. But he, it was the only game he didn't start. And, and But once he was out there, he got he got a full taste of what Tyler Boyd was all about. And, and he talked about how going up against a guy like that really helped him learn what his deficiencies were, and uh, this will be kind of a measuring stick game for for uh, for Maven and, and and for that matter for everybody else in the secondary. Iowa State had some really solid receivers last week, but uh, uh, this guy is uh, is in an entirely different league. One stat that stands out about Pitt offensively is their possession time. They rank 20th nationally. They're averaging 33 minutes and 36 seconds. And I know you mentioned earlier they've given up seven through the first two games, but that stat alone probably speaks to their approach in, in trying to control the time of possession. Absolutely, and that, that starts with, with trying to, to put together a dominant running game. One of the other things that may have been mentioned this week was the fact that, you know, Iowa knows that they're going to come out and try to stuff the ball down their throat, and, and, and that's just kind of the way Pitt approaches the game, and, you know, and that helps make you know, Boyd an effective receiver because uh, you you get so concerned with what they're what they're capable of on the ground and and it's uh, it's going to be a a, a clock chewing uh, deadline friendly uh, type of offensive approach. Uh, reporters love that. You know, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that they love to uh, to keep the ball uh, fairly close to the uh, the level of the field and 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 work a clock and and it's a that's something that uh, you know Iowa will need to try to match. After this break, Steve talks Iowa's offense versus Pitt's defense and special teams play. First down and goal at the eight. They'd like to slam it into the end zone one more time. Kanziri, feeling it, smelling it, touchdown! Last week against Illinois State, Kanziri with 118 all-purpose yards. They gave him the rock today. He became the featured guy for Kirk Ferentz in the second half of the most important game so far of the season, and he has delivered. Extra point good, 31-17, Iowa.
just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and you can make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Let's turn now to the matchup of Iowa's offense versus Pitt's defense. Iowa's offense has, and we talked a little bit about it and we were talking about the Iowa State game, it's been very balanced, very productive. It's not been flashy yet. Bethard really hasn't had to go deep. The game situations haven't dictated that yet. Kanzeri had a terrific day Saturday against Iowa State, 124 yards on 24 carries. He became the main back after LaShawn Daniels went down with that injury, but he's got a fairly slight body. I don't know how long that and last. And Matt Vandenberg had basically a career day, career highs in receptions and yards. And there for a while in the second half, that Beathard-Vandenberg connection was what was driving Iowa's success offensively. No question. There's a real comfort level kind of developing between quarterback and receiver there. And we've seen that kind of grow over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, certainly Matt Vandenberg is a receiver that, that uh, Iowa coaches have spoken highly of now for a couple of years. And, and what we've seen is, is what they've seen in, in practice. His performance in the game, uh, you know, a real breakthrough performance, and, and it's one of those things that uh, guys need at some point during their career to kind of validate what they've been working on, and, and it, it certainly, uh, for Matt, puts him in a position where, you know, he's going to get more opportunities. He also probably will get a little more defensive attention as well, but uh, um, it, it certainly adds him to that that mix with Tavon Smith and, and Jacob Hillier as guys that uh, that CJ can count on re- to be reliable receivers and help move that offense down the field. The uh, LaShawn Daniels injury doesn't look as serious as it did initially right after the Iowa State game was over. Kirk has said he may or may not be able to play this Saturday but certainly should be back for the North Texas State game. It does put a bit of a spotlight on the running back situation again for the Hawkeyes because if Kanzeri starts, you're back backups probably widely and then uh, the Derek Mitchell situation which was odd to say the least suspended Monday reinstated Tuesday and now he is at least available if Daniels can't go yeah it appears that they're at least going to have a couple of extra bodies available there and, and you know Daniels is is a guy that uh, you know not not unlike Pitts backs uh, you know a big physical kind of runner and, and certainly uh, you know Narduzzi talked about him uh, today on, on the uh, ACC teleconference, and one of the things that he brought up was the fact that uh, he tried to recruit him out of, out of Warren Harding High School in Ohio, and so he's very familiar with what uh, with what Daniels uh, can do, and, and he, he labeled him a perfect fit for Iowa's offense, and said he certainly hopes to have a chance to, to change greetings following the game on Saturday with him and, and, and you know, wishes him speedy recovery, although I'm sure he prefer, would prefer that to, to uh, take effect after Saturday 
Saturday night. But uh, between the between uh, Daniels and Canzaria, you, you've got a real nice kind of uh, rotation developing, and, and getting them both of those guys back, I think, will be a pretty key thing to this Iowa offense. But along with that, you've got Wadley coming back off of off of a fumble against Illinois State that probably cost them any chance of playing time against Iowa State last week. And, and then, yeah, the, the Mitchell situation was about as bizarre as it gets. And, you know, it, it sounds like it was mostly a timing issue with uh, when they learned of, of the letter that was received from the university. Uh, and that took place once the team was already in Ames. And rather than, than look too much into it there, the, the response was simply to, to send him back to Iowa City and, and have him sit out the weekend. And, and they got around to talking with him Monday night. And by Tuesday morning, he was back on the practice field and back with the team. And, and life is good again for, for Derek Mitchell for the time being. And, you know, it's it certainly, uh, I think, He's one of those guys that people are kind of anxious to see on the field just because of, of what we saw from him during the spring. And, and, you know, he's an intriguing prospect as he moved over from, from the receiver position to running back and, and, and developed some skills. And, and, and you saw his running ability. Some real potential there. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly he gets an opportunity. We touched on it briefly earlier, but just as you would expect with head coach Pat Narduzzi, Pitt's defense has been very encouraging through the first two games. They rank in the top 25 nationally in several categories, 4th in quarterback sacks, 10th third down defense, 20th total defense, and 22nd in rush defense. So it's kind of Iowa's strength against Pitt's strength there, Iowa's offense versus Pitt's D. Yeah, no question. I mean, they've got some some, uh, very experienced uh, players that that help and put that uh, look together and it's it's a look that's been tweaked a little bit since a year ago and but it's it's been tweaked in kind of a familiar fashion uh, a lot of uh, physical play a lot of aggression and it's a, it's a fairly veteran group I mean you take a look at uh, like a Nicholas Grigsby at, at this, their what they call their star linebacker position he's a senior who who was uh, you know had a had a nice career out there and and, and it, they kind of built a lot of things off of a very veteran group and Narduzzi kind of inherited a a, a fairly skilled group, and, and uh, you know he, he seems to be blending it uh, together pretty well at this point. Quick uh, touching base on special teams. Iowa's special teams through the first two games have been very good, both punts, kicks. Dylan Kidd was really good, probably had his best game overall last Saturday at Iowa State, especially given Iowa State's lethal punt return game. Marshall Kane has been nothing but money. Yeah, you know, and, and we, we certainly expected good things from Kane from, from what we had seen out of Marshall a year ago. Uh, Kid was kind of the question mark, and he certainly had his, his best day as a Hawkeye at Iowa State. And it was he really delivered in a couple of pretty clutch situations. He dropped the Cyclones inside the twenty a couple of times. Uh, had a couple of kicks over fifty yards. I think he averaged about forty-seven and a half for the day on five on five kicks. So you know it was an awfully good performance for him, and 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 it certainly is uh, uh, something that the Hawkeyes are going to need to see some consistency from moving forward. And that's that's been the big question all along at that position and if he can continue to deliver as he did last week that's only going to help Iowa moving forward. Not a lot of talk about Pitt's special teams. They do have a junior place kicker who's tied for 
fifth all-time among Pitt's all-time kick scorers, and he's also got a strong leg, apparently, a lot of touchbacks, which obviously hold down kickoff returns. Absolutely. He's he's the veteran guy of that unit. unit. Uh, Ryan Winslow's their punter. He's been around for, uh, saw some action a year ago as well. Um, he's coming off of his best day as well. Uh, you know, he averaged 43-4 against Akron last week. So, uh, you know, they've got, uh, and again, that was a game played in, in less than ideal conditions weather-wise. But, uh, you know, they've got, uh, you know, okay special teams. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, they certainly don't pose the, the return threat that, that Iowa had to deal with at Iowa State last week. I think that, that aspect of the game is a little different this time around. But uh, Iowa off to a pretty solid start, and, and, and they're going to need to continue to find an edge on special teams. That's, that's something that has been a point of emphasis, and I think we're seeing some residual uh, effects of, of the work that the Hawkeyes have put in in the offseason in that area. We'll wrap things up this week with your prediction and your keys. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I think it's going to be a fairly close game. I think uh, not unlike a year ago, I'm, I will go with Iowa at home. I'm going to go 24-21 this time around. I, I, I think that uh, Iowa's ability to, uh, to to move the ball on the ground and continue to do so, this this won't be uh, it, it quite the chore that will be quite as easy maybe as it has been the past couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, I do think that uh, Jordan Canzari's position to have another pretty solid game game and if they can kind of mix and match him with the running and the receiving as, as they have in, in the first couple of weeks that's a, that's an awfully good uh, thing to have out of that position and, and whether it be he or or even you know even Derek Mitchell if he happens to get into the game uh, certainly has some receiving skills as well so you know that can become a, a pretty important part of the offense. It's in the bag. The fat lady has left the building. On this day, it's the Hawkeyes who prevail as the two coaches shake hands. And now, Iowa and Iowa State, a great sign of sportsmanship. Brothers in the state of Iowa shaking hands. And now, the Hawkeyes will get their hands on the coveted Cy Hawk Trophy. It's theirs for a year, and the trophy's heading back to Iowa City. 31-17, the final score, Iowa defeating Iowa State. Our thanks again to Fox Sports for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast and that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.